Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Hello, dear listeners. This is Guys with Bibles. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I'm Sean. <laughs> oh, and I'm terrible. <laughs> and I'm Lee. I'm okay. Lee. Okay. And we're uh, we're talking. You forgot. We're talking Ephesians tonight, Lee. Ephesians. Back to the Ephesians. Uh, we're going to start Cold at... Cold fusion in Ephesians. <laughs> we're going to be in chapter one for like six months. We really are. It's um, true. But we're going to start at verse 11 of chapter one. So, you want to just dive right in? Let's, yeah, let's dive in. Uh, okay. uh, also, I have, I have the... It, I have it in NASB right here, because um, that's the best. Okay. Um, also, we <laughs> also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. Did Does that he... just make you a Calvinist again? Yes. <laughs> if I could be yeah. any more Calvinist, I would be, but I can't. Nope, you really can't. We've we've tested and and tried and we've determined you cannot be any more Calvinist. <laughs> okay, it's so, been empirically confirmed. Uh, let's see here. The CSB <laughs> says, "In him we have also received an inheritance, because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will." So pretty much here, the same thing. Here ends the reading. Yeah. So. What what uh what are your thoughts on that verse? Well, it goes back again to the uh the relationship that we have with God as redeemed people. And we talked about this a few verses ago um in verse 5 where it says that he predestined us to adoption as sons. So we see here, you know, the outcome of that because we've been predestined to be adopted as sons of God then in our salvation we've obtained an inheritance having been predestined um because that's what sons do sons have an inheritance you know right promises get passed from fathers to sons and mothers and to daughters and this just popped into my head i believe in the old testament if if a child was adopted by a family especially a son uh, that son that was adopted didn't they receive more of an inheritance than 
Then the then the blood son. Then the then the then the biological children. Yeah, I I think so. Um, they were I think they were treated as like eldest children. Right. Be, because simply because they were you know grafted into the family. So that's just kind of an interesting uh, tangent with here. Well, and that it that is what happened because Paul's writing to Gentiles. You know, who, who... Who were grafted into... Right. Just like he says in Romans, they were grafted into the olive tree. So they get an inheritance, you know, or or kind of like the parable of the field workers, where the guy who owns the field runs out and and is bringing people in to work all day long, and he promises the same payment to all of them, whether they started, you know, at 6 a.m., or started at 6 p.m., you know, or were, they only worked an hour before the workday ended, but everybody got paid the same. Right. It's the same kind of thing. You know, all people who have been predestined to inherit sonship, no matter what, uh, what you know, physical tribe, what ethnicity they are, what time period they live in, they all receive the same inheritance, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And the thing that sticks out to me in verse 11 is where it says, because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. So... Yeah, there's no middle knowledge here. Yeah, it's it's all on God. This this is very God-centered. It's It leaves no room for us to do anything. And uh, a lot of people don't like that, but it is all on God. It's very monergistic. Right. People want to have complete ultimate say in what goes on with them, you know, both in, in their present life and spiritually as well. Um, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too, because, you know, and I, 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 would, I, I love cake too. Um, this is spice cake season. I hope to have some. Um, red velvet. That's always good. Oh. Red velvet. <laughs> um, because, sorry. Oh man, <laughs> I, I have confections on the brain. Uh, I I much prefer the the idea of God having worked out everything according to His own purpose rather than the, the potential for a, a kind of chaotic, purposeless universe of, of say, like a provisionistic gospel, kind of the, the kind of thing that Leighton Flowers would lay out, where God has provided salvation, you just have to come over and get it, yeah. you know? And what are the means by which you come over and get it? Well, I, that can depend on what, <laughs> what person you ask, you know? You have to work up the faith to believe, you know, you have to do something good. You have to make yourself a choice meet so that God will pick you. Yeah, you know, there's, no. there's so many variables when, when your theology is like that, that it's very, I mean, I would, I would even go so far as to say you can't really have assurance. Um, cause if, no, you can't. If you can, it, if you can choose to have faith, you can also choose not to have faith. And, and you know, it's, it's sad you know, it takes so much, um, really, the, the people that have come up with those systems are incredibly smart, because it, it takes a lot of, of craftiness and, and thought 
to come up with these systems that really don't have a grounding in Scripture or have a very conjectural uh, grounding in Scripture. The, the easiest thing to believe is what the Bible plainly says, and there's too many passages that say that God has worked out all things according to the counsel of his will, like it says here, and that he's, he's called some, he's predestined some to be called, um, and that there is a limited atonement. You know, no, no Orthodox Christian believes that there is an unlimited atonement, because um, if you're a universalist, you're outside the bounds of orthodoxy. Right. And the, the, the biblical, the way that the Bible has laid out the case that it makes for limited atonement is limited in scope, not in effect. Right. And, I mean, well, I think I've already talked about this, but it's it's obvious from the beginning that God chose a certain group of people to be his. I He's mean, always done that. I mean, the whole entire Old Testament is God and his people, the nation of Israel. And this continues on in a new covenant fashion in Christ and those chosen in Christ. And so it, it really hasn't changed since, you know, the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I don't understand how, I don't even know, like, when that idea of universalism and unlimited atonement, I don't know when that came into effect. I don't know when that showed up in, in church history. But... I'm not it, sure either, but I know... It sounds there's... good. It sounds good, you know. But it it's, does sound it's, good. It off you, it's it's just wrong. It's it's not right. Well, and you know, I, the whole extent of the atonement is a favorite subject of any Calvinist, and you know th- that's certainly part of what verse eleven saying here. But also more broadly, we're talking about all things. You know, so every everything that's occurred occur- occurs according to the counsel of God's own will. And, and a lot of people like to harp on, especially Calvinists, who, who say they believe in a hard determinism where um, everything, it's just like, it's like a, uh, it's like a movie playing out where there is no, there, there is no alternates, there is no, um, everything's just on straight moving forward exactly how it was, um, how it was predetermined to be. And I, I'm not sure that a Calvinist would really would really say that because we still understand that um, that people have the ability to sin, and you know God God didn't decide what uh, I was going to eat for breakfast today before the foundation right. of the world. You know what I mean? And see, see, people the take is, people take the free like Calvinists not believing in free will to the mm-hmm. extreme, and it's it's not that we don't believe that you can't choose what color underwear to put on in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's it that that may that's not predetermined i don't know i don't care if that's predetermined but the, the thing is we, when we say there is no free will there is a free will but you are it's it's been damaged in the fall and it's it's under the bondage of sin and corruption and right. meaning you can't choose god you can't choose faith mm-hmm. you can't you don't want to you're you hate god Right. And the only way that you can have faith is to have God come in and change your heart, regenerate you, and call you by the gospel, and then you will believe. And that it's all a work of God because we can't, we are, 
physically unable right. to do so. Right. Well, and, and, you know, like R.C. Sproul put it so perfectly, that if there's one if there's one atom outside of the will of God in the universe, then God isn't sovereign. And he's exactly right, because God is in control of all things, and all things that occur happen because he has allowed them to happen, you know, um, directly causing and per, and also under his uh, permissive will as well. So even even the amount of human agency that humans have, it's not in in their salvation that they have that kind of agency, but God has even restricted human agency at times for the purpose of his will, because he, his, his purpose is to receive praise and to be glorified in all things. Sometimes that comes with the permission of sin to occur. And sometimes, you know, for, for events to happen that we see as terrible and sinful, but God's ultimate purpose will be to get glory from all these things. It doesn't make sense to us because that's not how we would be if we had God's power. And that's precisely the point, because God isn't a man like us. His will is much higher than ours, and it involves a lot of things that we can trust him on because he is good and he won't violate his his nature to do evil. He can permit evil, but it won't make him evil. And I think that is a is a really key aspect of sovereignty and um and our, and our free will that a lot of people miss when they um, talk or misrepresent, talk about or misrepresent Calvinism. Yeah, and uh, I grabbed my Spurgeon Study Bible because we were talking about predestination. And uh, in my favorite minor prophet, Jonah, chapter 1, verse 17, the verse is, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights has nothing to do with what we're talking about, so forgive me. <laughs> but but uh, the, the quote that spurt, that, that's in his handwriting um, in the Bible is, it's, it, I, it's, I love it. It's cool, and it's, it's, uh, it has to do with predestination, which what, what, that's what we were talking about. But it says, Over every motion of the fin of every minnow, predestination presides. Dude. Spurgeon it, knows it, how to say it. Oh yeah, he cool dude. But cool I just thought that was a a cool little quote, so I thought I. It's exactly true, and that that's exactly what R.C. Sproul was saying too, is that God is sovereign over any everything, and He will get glory for everything that that happens, and that's that's really what we're talking about when we talk about Him working all things according to the counsel of His will. Absolutely. We're not all, but we're not all robots. So. No, <laughs> no. All right, uh, next verse. <laughs> All right, so verse 12. Uh, so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. What do you got? Hmm. Well, um, we just kind of, I don't know, that just kind of funnels into verse 11. Yeah, it's it's what we were saying, that God God gets the glory in all things. And, you know, Paul's writing this as one of the first, uh, in the first generation of Christians um, post-resurrection. So it, it's going back to what I said about the, the workers in the, uh, in the field uh, all getting the same pay, regardless of how long they'd been working. You know, these guys were some of the first people to call themselves uh, disciples of Christ. Um, and their inheritance is exactly the same as the inheritance that you and I have as we sit here in the 21st century. Um, it's We're all sons 
and and daughters of God, um, regardless of what time we're in, what we've done, what sins we've what sins we've committed in our past or currently, um, we don't lose that uh, relationship to God. It's always been that way. God has always been covenant father to all of His children, and that's always been His promise. His promises don't change. Right, and just like what you said the the focus of this verse is god's glory not not us it's it's god and his glory so we are saved and we put Soli our hope, deo gloria yeah we are saved for god's glory we put our hope in christ for the glory of god everything is for his glory so boom Verse 13, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. I love this verse. Wow, that is completely different from what mine says. Really? Yeah. What's what's yours say? In him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. Oh, see, there's your uh, there's your dynamic uh, equivalence going yeah, on. Yeah, that that is not word for word. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's much more in the uh, in our conversational style, the way that we would uh, order our sentences if we were speaking in writing. So, yeah, that's but that's okay because it's it's still the same message. Right, right. You it know, that, just that's it's completely thing. worded different. Yeah, that that annoys me when people talk about you know, translations like, you know, the NIV 84 or whatever, and they say, oh, it's not as good. It does, it, it cuts words out. It leaves things out, blah, blah, blah. No, it doesn't. It just, it, it moves sentence structures around so right. that it's a little more easier to comprehend for, for some readers. And that's, that is no problem. There's no problem with that because the message is still the same. If they right. were to change the message, if they were to do like a, the new world translation or something, then we'd have a problem. But the message is, the message is the same. There's one God. There are not multiple gods. Glow ray. Um, but uh, so okay, so we have a a problem in the church today with the Holy Spirit, and this is kind of this will probably be my one soapbox moment for this episode. But um. John MacArthur has said, not he hasn't just said go home. Uh, Mac- oh, John MacArthur, <laughs> you went there. I really oh. did. Uh, John MacArthur has also said that um, you show me who uh, is. Oh, I'm going to ruin this quote now, but anyway, basically saying that people who are obsessed with the Holy Spirit don't love God, but people who who love God love the Holy Spirit. So we have an either or thing in the church. We're either the Holy Spirit is uh, totally absent from the church. We don't talk about him. We minimize him and his work, or everything's about the Holy Spirit. And the whole order of worship in the church is supposedly subject to the Holy Spirit and how he moves or inviting him or things like that. And, uh, you know, the church is always falling off one rail or the other, either to the right or to the left. Right. And what what I love about this verse is we get, and you know, the Bible is, is full of references like this, but it's a solid description of part of the Holy Spirit's work. 
So the Holy Spirit isn't falling on people and making them fall down and bark like a dog. I can pretty much unequivocally say that is not the work of the Holy Spirit. But I can tell you what the work of the Holy Spirit is, and that's acting as a seal uh, in the people of the church in confirming their salvation and election and applying grace to them as they worship God in their, in their lived experience. So people who've heard the message of the gospel and believed, they immediately are sealed with the spirit, the Holy spirit uh, who was promised. And there's some folks who believe in like what they call a second work of grace or baptism of the Holy spirit who in the moment of your conversion, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You get him later. And that is when you're baptized in the Spirit. A lot of people say that's when uh, you speak in tongues. That's a confirmation that you now have the Holy Spirit in you, dwelling in you. Or you do something else. You go to the altar on a Sunday and you get anointed and you're, uh, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit then. You're sanctified. And then you never sin again. Well, that's, that's just it's crap. It's pure crap. At the moment of your salvation, when you repent and believe, you are given the Holy Spirit to dwell in you and to guide you and to apply the grace that is yours in Christ to your heart. Right. And it's and it's at that moment that your justification happens. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that, not yeah, that's not separated either. And the, it, it's a separate thing, but it happens simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And your justification before God in Christ, this is what saves you by in faith. Your sanctification, your, yeah, your sanctification is something different and it will not ever be complete until you're six foot under it. Mm -hmm. You, you you don't ever become perfectly sinless. The only time you don't sin is when you die because you, you, (laughs) You literally can't. When you physically die. When you, when you physically yeah. die. When, yeah, when you physically die at the end of your earthly life, that is when you stop sinning as, yeah. a, as a believer, even as right. a believer. Even as a believer. And um, people, people get this wrong all the time. And it, being sealed with the promised Holy Spirit is misinterpreted a lot. It's... You, you get the, well, what you said, when you are called in the gospel by the Holy Spirit, he comes to indwell in you, and with that, you are sealed because he's with you. Mm-hmm. You are now justified before God, and the Holy Spirit is there as your advocate, your paraclete. I almost said parakeet. <laughs> bok, bok. but that that well, is you know, not there, there's oh sorry go ahead i was gonna say that is not what some people believe and it's a problem when when you when you focus too much on on this mm-hmm. and not the entire trinitarian picture of salvation well and you know another thing that's that's interesting about about the sealed is and this is more of a of a first century thing than our day, although it's kind of coming back a little bit. But um, in their day, 
official communications from the government came with the seal of the governing authority. So, you know, Caesar had his own seal. And every time uh, an edict went out from the capital, it would have his seal on it so you knew it was authentic. And in the same way— like the wax with the— yeah, yeah, like the wax with the with the press, and so and those yeah, things are kind of coming back now. Like people people are writing more letters, and people have like their initials in a wax seal or whatever, so you know, oh, I know who this is from. You know, even before you read it, you can tell because it's got their seal, and that's the same thing that God does with us by means of the Holy Spirit. Is he he marks us as his? We know we're his because we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. And I yeah, also kind of like to think of it as you know just. Like like that wax seal does keep an envelope shut. I think it's it's also speaks to our security as Christians too, because of that seal. We know we we don't have to doubt whose we are. You know we're protected. We're protected by the Holy Spirit because we have that seal on us. Right, and then there's a there's a verse in Revelation uh, that speaks of the the people of Christ having. A mark on their foreheads, a, a oh. seal on their foreheads, and I can't remember where it's at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in um, I think that's in twenty one, twenty. Sorry, twenty two four. I'll start in three. Uh, twenty two three. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His bond servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Okay, there it is. So they are literally marked. They yep. they are. And uh, also, when in some churches confirmation is practiced, um, even among Methodists, uh, Lutherans, Anglicans, Catholics, uh, the um, all the baby sprinklers, basically. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Except for Presbyterians, I don't think they don't do confirmation, do they? Uh, I feel like they, they might. Don't. They might not call it confirmation. I can't remember. I'll have to ask. But, um, ask this a Presby. A... <laughs> that could be a game show. Uh, but confirmation is this idea, at least in the Roman Catholic Church, that at baptism, you really don't receive the Holy Spirit. It's not until you affirm your baptism when you're old enough that you receive that, that Holy Spirit and you receive in, it. In making a profession of faith? In making a profession of faith, okay. and and then you are anointed with oil with a sign of the cross on your forehead. So, hmm. so this go, this jumps back to that verse in Revelation, and and right here where you're sealed, you're sealed on the forehead with with the sign of the Holy Spirit. So, um, or you could just be baptized, you know, just wait. Till or then. you could just be baptized <laughs> and, and take out all the the gobbledygook. But, <laughs> Actually, I'm glad you mentioned that, because that leads right into verse 14, where it says that the Holy Spirit is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. Because that's exactly what that is. You know, the, it's a, the Holy Spirit was promised in that He acts as a pledge of our inheritance, because um, we don't have it yet. You know, we, don't, we haven't even received that inheritance yet. It's still, it's still a promise to us. Because it, it right. it's still to come. Our our inheritance comes when the new Jerusalem comes. So until then, we get by very well because we have the Holy Spirit. 
And that's sort of he he it's so it's so awesome because he not only applies grace to us now, you know, as he ministers in our heart, um, but then also it, his presence in us is a reminder that we will be in in direct relationship with God face to face in the New Jerusalem, like it says there in Revelation twenty two. You know, we will see his face, and you know, so we've been marked invisibly with the Holy Spirit now, but the mark will still remain on us. You know, we're oh, in yes. covenant with him. We have the covenant mark. And it's, and I just it's, think that's uh, so awesome. I overthink this a lot, but it, it's just, it's cool to me to think that the Holy Spirit, which is the third person of the Trinity, the, the Holy Spirit is God. Globe, right? Is inside of you, dwelling within you, constantly working out your sanctification course along with your cooperation and at the same time even when you can't find words and even when you sometime you know even if you, you don't even feel like praying but you know you should the holy spirit that dwelling inside of you is praying to god for you in that moment Right. There's so many times that that I need to pray, and I know what I need to pray for, but I'm no, I just know I'm not saying it right. Because either I'm too tired from work to to say the words that I I need to say, or I'm right. I'm so you know in times of grief where I really can't even put into words what I'm feeling pain about. The Holy yeah, Spirit can't. takes all that and and you know tr- translates it, you know, as if as if God needed a translation of our thoughts, but still the the posture of our heart in prayer is totally visible to the holy spirit and and yeah, he gets it's that, a hard thing to, to wrap God. around wrap your mind around this fact that that god dwelling inside of you is translating your your suffering and your pain and and the words that you can't find into prayers to himself mhm it's it's uh I don't know. That's why that's why we we fool ourselves so badly when when we have those times where we we're praying and we just don't feel it goes anywhere. Like you just feel you haven't you haven't accomplished anything. We're fooling ourselves because even even in our times of least effective prayer, they're still heard because we have the Holy Spirit and he takes he takes that directly to to the Father. Absolutely. Through the through the mediation of Christ, so your your prayers are never wasted, even if you feel like you're not praying well or saying what you need well or or whatever. You know, there's so many ways our sin can in, in uh, inhibit our prayer life, but it's never wasted time, and you have, yeah. we have to keep reminding ourselves of that. And also, he jumps right back. Well, even. Yeah, at the end of verse 14, jumps right back with the phrase, to the praise of his glory. So, yet again, he's bringing this all back, God-centered, back to the glory of God. Have you heard the thing where... Um, yeah, no, I haven't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> people, people say that you have to... Rep- if you want somebody to remember something, you have to repeat it to them seven times for them to, for it to finally poke through. And his constant refrains of God's glory in this passage kind of reminds me of that. He's like, you know, just in case you didn't hear me before, this whole thing, the whole point of the whole thing is God's glory. 
come yeah, back Paul again. Paul has like a you, Louisville slugger with Solideo Gloria <laughs> engraved and, on it. And he's beating you he's over the head just with it. whacking him in the face with this thing. Yeah. Just remember, this isn't about you. Just you in know, case you forget. You wow. yeah, and and you know I think this is probably a good note to to leave it on. But um, you know you were you were predestined for God's glory. You were adopted as His son for His glory. You were given the promised Holy Spirit for his glory. You can live now for his glory, and he equips you for every good work in Christ for his glory. Not for you, not for your, to build your platform on, not to make you feel good about yourself, not, not for you for to your get prosperity. your prosperity. Ex- right, exactly. Yeah. It's not a, nothing's about that. Not for your comfort, not for your happy life, your convenience. It's not about you at all. Yep. And honestly, that's refreshing. Oh, yeah. It's freeing. It, re- it, it really is. Because when we focus on ourselves, it's... Well, at least for me, when I focus on myself, it's depressing. Mm-hmm. Because you focus... You focus on... All of the my own fulfillment or unfulfillment, and yeah. why isn't God giving me what I need? But we think of it as a need, but it's really a want. Um, so, sorry, an I, want. I hesitated there because someone was calling me in my phone. Uh-oh. Um, but yeah, you focus on I focus on all my mistakes, all the things I mess up on every day, and it it's very heavy. It's it's hard to deal with, and yeah. when yeah, it is, when you realize that the focus isn't on you, but it's on God redeeming you for His glory, according to His will. The, it it's it's it it's like a breath of fresh air. It's it's wonderful. Yep, all it grace. It yeah. You you can't overstate it. We could say it over yeah. and over and over again. And it grace, grace, anyway. grace. <laughs> we'll we'll get that on a Louisville Slugger too, and we'll just hit everybody over the head with it till they yeah. till they understand it. So wow. Well, I mean, I I don't have anything else to add than that. No, no, we got a whole four verses on that. That's pretty yeah, good. We did really plodding along. But uh, all right, well. Lee, where can they find us? They can find us on the web, www.guyswithbibles.com. That's where you can read our blogs. You can also listen to audio of the podcast, but you can also head on over to iTunes or Google Play Podcast Deal, any of the the main podcatchers we are on there. Uh, Please hit subscribe. Uh, Leave us a review on... uh, those uh those podcast uh, um what do you want to call them the podcast charts you can review uh, us give us a star rating uh, an honest five star review is is always fantastic for us uh, then you can also hit us up on social media we have the Facebook group so just look up guys with Bibles on Facebook send a request to join and we'll get you in there you can also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at guys with Bibles. You can also email us, guyswbibles at gmail.com, and that actually does come to our our own personal devices. So um, I, I'm 
uh, graced enough to be able to run the Twitter account, and it's so much fun interacting with everybody. And a uh, big shout-out to Michael. Uh, he's been uh, awesome on there for a long time and uh, always enjoy talking to that brother and glad that he uh, listens. Hopefully he's enjoying uh, and getting some benefit out of this podcast, and I hope there are lots of others too. So please, if you do enjoy the show, reach out to us. We'd love to to know how, how this podcast is helping you or things you'd want to hear about, you'd want to hear us talk about, um, and just, you know, keep, keep the conversation going. It's a lot of fun. All right. I think that's it, right? That's it for me. All right. Well, this is Guys with Bibles, and we're out!